We're looking at a subject which best describes who Jesus is and what best describes what the Christian life is all about. And we can sum it up in a word, and that word is simply life. Did you say it with me? Life. What comes to your mind when you think of that word? For me, when I think of life, I think of action. I think of, um, I think of children, new babies. I think of the birth of my own children. I was at the birth of all three of my kids, Jesse, Nicholas, and Sarah. And I can tell you that for every one of them, it was a very emotional, very exciting moment in my life. When Jesse was born, I just instantly had tears running down my cheeks as I held this brand new life and knew instinctively that this was a miracle, that this was something from God. And I can tell you that the joy and the excitement of the birth of our son, our first son, did not wear off when it got to the second and the third. When Jesse was born, I cried. When Nicholas came along, I didn't say, oh, well, been there, done that. <laughs> got the T-shirt and the cap. Big deal. No, and when Nicholas was born, it was the same thing. And then Sarah came along, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was thrilling. It was exciting. When you, what do you think of when you think of life? Do you think of, of lush, rich fields, trees sagging with fruit? Do you think of um, action and busyness and growth and development? You see, what a lot of people don't know about Christianity is that, and this is what so many people think, it's all about do's and don'ts. It's all about stifling uh, a good life. It's all about a wet blanket over otherwise a joyful life. People think that Christianity or God is in the heavens trying to stop us from having a, a good time. He's the, he's the cosmic party pooper. He's the one that wants to, to just to make life miserable for you. But I want you to know today that if you have come here with that understanding of Christianity, then you really don't get it at all. Because, first of all, Jesus describes himself as life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if anyone comes, if anyone wants to come to the Father, comes to God, you've got to go through Jesus, who is in fact the life. So, if we have such a strong and strange and wrong idea about what life is, then surely we need to take a few weeks to talk about what life really is. What is it really all about? And, and more specifically, what is Christianity really all about? Tony Campolo, uh, professor at a, an Ivy League university in the uh, eastern states, eastern USA. Uh, he was a Christian, Christian professor. Uh, he was a counselor, in fact, to the Clintons when they were going through their, their marriage problems. Some of you will remember that. Uh, he was quite a prominent personality in the states and, uh, and in, in the Christian world. Uh, he, he tells a story about how he would begin his year, his academic year. The first, very first thing he would say to his students is, I want you all to know where I'm coming from. I want you to know what, uh, what my platform is or, or what, my, what the bedrock of my life is. I want, you, I want you to know what my MO is, my modus operandi. He says, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and I look at all of life through that lens. And so I want you to understand that whatever I'm teaching you comes from that philosophical background. Because I don't want anybody, he says, to be misled. I want to be totally honest with you. And then he goes on to say this. He begins his lecture 
in sociology like this. He says, how many people here have really lived? Or how long have you lived? This is the question he puts to his students. How long have you lived? And so students are looking at each other and thinking, well, I know what year I was born. And one student puts up his hand and says, well, I guess I'm, I'm 21. I've lived for 21 years. Tony says, no, you don't understand what I mean. I didn't ask how long have you existed. I'm asking you how long have you really lived. Now the students are looking at each other, scratching their head again, trying to figure out what is he talking about. He says, let me demonstrate or illustrate for you what I mean by really living. He says, when I was a boy, I went up to the top of the Empire State Building. He says, I'm, I'm a little bit ADHD, you know, squirrel, d- distracted easily, um, has a hard time focusing in his own little world, doing his own little thing. When the teacher's talking, he's talking, that sort of thing. And he said he didn't, wasn't really listening to what the teacher was saying. The teacher, he recognized in hindsight, had told them that they were going to see something spectacular, that it would be life-changing, that they would never be the same again after they'd been to the top of the Empire State Building and saw the fantastic view. Tony, in his mind, was hearing this, blah, 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 blah. He wasn't hearing a thing. And then suddenly, gets off the elevator, gets out onto the viewing deck, and he says he remembers very, very vividly that his whole life came to a screeching halt. As he looked out upon the city that he lived in and saw for many, many miles around the most spectacular, most breathtaking view he'd ever seen, he said it was at that moment he truly lived. At that moment when he was fully alive, fully aware of what was going on in his life, it was at that moment he said, I I came alive. And he said to his students again, Now, how many of you, for how many of you have lived? And how long have you lived for? And one student put up his hand and said, Well, I probably have lived for about 30 minutes. Another one said, I've only lived for a few minutes. Another one said, I only lived for a few seconds. Tony Campolo wanted his students to understand the difference between truly living and merely existing. And the sad thing is this, everybody, is that so many of us only ever just exist. We have not experienced or known the joy of really coming alive. And what you need to understand about Cross Church, first of all, is that we're all about life, about coming alive. What do you, you say, Pastor, well, how do you, what do you mean by that? Like, how does that apply to my life? Well, let me ask you about your marriage. Are you just existing? Or are you enjoying your marriage partner with all your heart? What about your kids? Are they just an annoyance? You kind of put up with them and, you know, they get up in the morning and, and at 7 a.m. you can think, oh, just 12 hours, I can put them back to bed. <laughs> How many of you roll out of the driveway in the morning thinking, oh, can hardly wait till this day is over? And how many of you even come to church thinking, well, it's only an hour I can do it? (laughs) How many of you just get up in the morning, get your coffee from Tim Hortons, curse at the drivers around you because they're getting in your way, not going fast enough, going too quick, cutting you off, whatever. You arrive at work, 
And you're just counting hours, watching the clock, just waiting till the day is over so that you can get home and have a meal and sit on the couch and read the paper again and read more bad news and watch a few hours of TV so that you can get to bed to do it all over again the next day. Friends, that's existing. My nephew had a, a gerbil. What did that thing do? <laughs> the life of a gerbil. Eat, suck out a few drops of water, run on the wheel, and root around in the cedar chips and sleep. And that's in day in and day out and day in and day out. Unless you're like my nephew who liked to torture them. <laughs> Listen, how many of us would say, that's my life? I feel like that gerbil, just eating, drinking, sleeping, and on, on the merry-go-round, on the, on the wheel, round and round and round, doing nothing, accomplishing nothing, my life is meaningless. Listen, if anything describes the Christian life, it's that word life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly, have it richly. And not just a rich life here and now, but he has come that we may have eternal life. That you don't have to worry about dying. Last Friday, I had the privilege of, of officiating at the funeral service for Peter Cooney. And what a joy to know that Peter Cooney had made his peace with God and that, that even now, Peter is safe in the arms of Jesus and enjoying eternal life. Folks, this is what Christianity is all about. And that's what we want to talk about today and for the weeks to come. Now, I want to share with you a, a passage of Scripture. It's uh, found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Basically, this, this, uh, this verse is, uh, is, is a, an excerpt from a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, the believers in Corinth. And uh, these, these words that the Apostle Paul sent to the believers in Corinth was a, was a, a snapshot of what the Christian life is all about. Can we have those words up, please? Thank you. And if you wouldn't mind just reading this uh, passage of Scripture with me, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Okay, so here's what you need to understand about the Christian life. Because a lot of people have the wrong idea. They think going to church is all about, you know, rituals and do this and do that and drink a bit of this and eat a bit of that and, and uh, you know, put money in the offering plate and sing a few songs up and down, up and down, and then leave. Okay, a lot of people think that. I, I want you to know something. There's nothing further from the truth than that. That is not... The Christian, Christian life is not just a, a set of rituals. It's not a sort of a checklist that you go through. And I've done my duty to God. It's sort of be kind to God day. That's not what Sunday is. Sunday is a celebration of the life that we have, the new life that we have in Christ. So here's the thing. When you and I became Christians, when you, you and I became believers, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul reminds us that we became a new person. So I want you to know today that the person that I am now is not the person I was before I put my faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that the old life is gone and a new life has begun. 
Say that last phrase with me, please. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. One more time. The old life, a new life has begun. Okay. Paul was so excited about this message of life that he actually traveled throughout the Mediterranean world, which was basically, at that time, that would have been like the whole world. He traveled around the world telling people this good news, this awesome news, this thrilling news that you could actually become a brand new person. And I want you to know something. There's a whole world out there that is looking for something like this. And for over 2,000 years now, the church, for nearly 2,000 years, the church has been saying this message to the world that you can become a new person. So I want to talk for a moment, first of all, about what we would call the old life. And then I want to talk to you about what it means to live this new life. Now, our faith has been accused of many things, of being, about being... Uh, we've been accused of being old-fashioned, about uh, being irrelevant, about uh, well, being boring. Maybe you thought that. Maybe you thought, oh, God, i got to go to church, what a drag. Maybe you thought well, your wife dragged you here, your parents dragged you here, your I don't know who dragged you here, but you're here and you're thinking, hmm, this is a little different than I thought it was. And I hope that you do think that. What I want you to discover today is really what it's all about. I want you to discover... That Jesus Christ invites every one of us to enter into this new life. This new life that you and I cannot lay hold of in our own strength. No, no amount of, of teachings from Tony Robbins can give you this new life. No book, no how-to book out of this psychology section at chapters can give you what you need to live this new life. This new life that we're talking about can only come through putting your faith in Jesus Christ. So you say, well, do I really need a new life? Well, let's take a look at your old life for a moment. Do you like who you are? Do you like what you are? Do you like what you've become? You know, what a lot of people don't understand is that when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, and this is really what the faith is all about, Jesus doesn't say, well, how can I clean you up? It's not a bit of a, let me wash your face. My mother used to do that when I was a kid. She'd pull a tissue out of her, out of her pocket and with spit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And clean whatever's on my face, clean it off. Now, i got to tell you that it's good in a pinch, but... It's not the way I want to be washed every day. <laughs> Cats can clean their babies that way, but I don't, want to be ba- I don't want to be clean that way. You get what I'm saying? I want you to know something. God doesn't just do a little bit of this to clean up the, the, the dirty spots and sort of you know, make you presentable. What, what God does is he actually gives you a brand new life. He doesn't try to renovate the old you. What he says is what we got to do here, Jimmy, is we got to put to death the old Jimmy. We need a brand new Jimmy. And I don't mean an SUV. <laughs> what we need is, is not a, a cleaned up, renovated Allen Duncalf. We need a brand new Allen Duncalf. 
Now, this is revolutionary as far as the great faiths of the world go. Because many of the faiths of the world talk about how you can, you can rise to different levels of enlightenment and become a better person. And God says, nah, 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 that doesn't work. You'll never be able to make yourself good enough. It just ain't going to work. What you need is to become a brand new person. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by this. Someone asked recently if, if I would be willing to, uh, to buy an old building and renovate it again for church. And I said, no, I think next time there'll be no renovation. I think next time what it will be is a brand new building. And I'll tell you why. Because this building was built to sell vegetables and meat. This was, a, how many know this is an old Safeway? Now, I'm not complaining about it, believe me. I thank God for this building as it's just been, it's been a center of, of hope and light and, and of great things. But it was designed to have aisles so that you could come up and down the aisles and get your cornflakes and your rutabagas and, and your side of beef. It was not created to be a church. Now, I'm going to say this to you today. What God wants to do with you is he doesn't want to just renovate you and sort of clean you up a little bit and try to figure out a way to, to, to use you for a new purpose. God wants to recreate you so that you can do the thing that he created you to do. God has a purpose for your life. And I don't know if you realize that, but God has a purpose for every single person in this room. In fact, we read that in, a, in another letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, this time to the believers in the city of Ephesus, which I've been to. And, and this is what, what Paul says to the believers in Ephesus. For we are God's masterpiece. We, I, am God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now, I don't know if you realize that or not, but today, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are, in fact, a masterpiece. And if you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are a masterpiece waiting to happen. Look at that person beside you and say, you are a masterpiece. Now, I don't know why you're laughing so hard. Uh, I hear a few people laughing. Maybe they looked at you and said, masterpiece? (laughs) Ha, ha. (laughs) <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> but I want you to know this today. It's really important that you get this. But you were created for a purpose. And the whole thing that we're talking about, when we talk about this life that we have in Christ, is that you were created for God's purposes. To do something great. To do something significant. And my question to you today is, have you found that thing? Have you come alive yet? Or are you still dead, still the old person? You know, in our church, um, we, we have two sacraments. If you're from a Roman Catholic background, you know that there's a number of sacraments that you, that you uh, celebrate. In our church, we celebrate two. Um, and there's good theological reason for it, which I'm glad to discuss with anybody at a later date. But let me just talk about the two that we believe are the main sacraments. They are the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. We call it communion. And the other sacrament is a sacrament of baptism. Both of these sacraments, guess what they celebrate? They celebrate life. 
They celebrate the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. It's all about new life. The new life that we have in Christ. So whenever we celebrate a baptism, we're celebrating the fact that somebody has died and somebody has been born again. This is why we actually, we actually immerse. The word baptize meaning to uh, baptizo, to, to immerse. You go down the old man and you come up a brand new man. That's why so many times in a, in a baptismal service, people they come out of the water and get woohoo. It's exciting. The fact, the realization has hit them. They are brand new creature, a brand new creation. In fact, if you look at the, the, this verse in the Greek language, it actually says, uh, the old life is gone and you are a brand new creation. That's what it says. Recreated completely. On the inside. Now I want to ask you this morning, have you been recreated? Because I can tell you this, is that you can never fix up the old you well enough, good enough. It's hopeless. I've asked people, you know, I invite people to church and, and they'll say to me, you know what, Pastor, as soon as I get myself cleaned up, as, long as, as soon as I quit doing the things and give up my habits, and as, long, as soon as I, you know, I get all organized, then I'm going to start coming to church. And my response to this is this, well, you know what? It'll never happen. Because the fact, are you ready for this? The fact of the matter is, is that nobody here has the ability to clean up the old life. You can't do it. I've been at this for 30 years, and I can tell you, I've never yet seen somebody get it all together so that they're able now to serve God. You can't do it on your own. You cannot generate new life in your own strength. You actually need to get this new life, this new life that comes from Jesus. This is what the Christian life is all about. You come to God and you say, God, I can't do it anymore. And God says, I was waiting for you. Remember we talked about the the prodigal son the last two weeks. And how the father is waiting for that son, waiting for that son to return. I want you to know something today. You and I cannot clean up the old you. I can't clean up the old Alan. Another can you. What you and I need is you, you and I need to learn what it means to come to God and say, God, I'm so sick and tired of trying to do it on my own. Is there anybody like that here today? You're just sick and tired of trying to do it on your own. Sick and tired of trying to get your life in order. Sick and tired of trying to get it all organized and get, get everything in order. It's like, it's like having a hundred ping pong balls and trying to keep them all underwater at the same time. It's, they're popping up everywhere and you just can't get control of it. But I know of somebody who can. His name is Jesus. And he wants to help you get your life in order. And what he's going to do is going to give you a brand new life. And all you have to do is come to him with the wreck that is your life and say, God, I'm sick of it. I can't do this anymore. And the Bible tells me, the scripture tells me, that he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to come home. And he doesn't come, he's not waiting for you with a big stick ready to give it to you because, you know, you've, been, you've done so many things wrong and you've messed up so many times. That's not God. And if you think that's who God is, today, I want you just to get that idea out of your head and understand that he loves you. He's a father who cares about you. You know, my kids, they make mistakes, but I can tell you this. There's never a day when I've said, okay, that was, that's the lost straw. Get your stuff and get out. I never said that to my kids. 
Why? Because I'm their father. I love them. And there's nothing that they can do that's going to cause me to stop loving them. Guess what? I'm an earthly man with full and full of faults. And if I love my children that much, how much more does our Father in heaven love us? You need to see how much God loves you. And you need to know that God wants to give you a new you. Now, I've watched people in, in the church who stall out in their Christian life. They've been at it for so long and they forgot what it's all about. And that Christianity has been reduced to just a, a, a liturgy, a ritual, do this, do that, and then I'm going home. Do you understand the reason why we have a band that plays the songs that, we, that, that they play in the, and we sing the songs we sing? Do you understand why we invite you to come to church every Sunday to, to, to listen to me speak? It's because we are celebrating the life that's ours through Jesus Christ. We celebrate it, we sing about it, and then I, I sit up here and I remind all of you of this new life that's yours in Christ. This is what it's all about. Have you stalled out in your faith? I, I, I know when someone's stalled out in their faith. And I'm not being judgmental, I'm just saying, I, I can tell it. They, they've lost their fire, they've lost their excitement. They've lost the twinkle in their eye, they've lost the smile on their face. They've, they've, they've allowed fear to invade their hearts. They've become depressed. They've become anxious. They've become fearful. They, they hate themselves. They look in the mirror and they loathe what they're looking at. You show me somebody, you show me somebody who calls himself a believer, who's dissatisfied with life, discontent, who's lost their joy, has no peace, and I'll show you somebody who's gone back to the old house, the old you. What you, need, you and I need to know is that we need to live in the new the new house, the new self that's been created by Jesus Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul says to the believers in Corinth, the old life is gone, the new life has begun. And you know what? I can always tell a brand new shiny believer when I see one. A brand new shiny believer, somebody who's just put their faith in Jesus Christ, who has experienced the, the supernatural come upon them. Because you know what they'll do? Now here's, the, here's, the, here's the dead giveaway that somebody's a brand new creation, a brand new believer. They always talk about their old self like it was a different person. They'll say things like this. You know, before I became a Christian, I was a real grouchy person. Before I was, became a Christian, I was impatient. Before I became a believer, I was always fearful, and always anxious, and always afraid. They'll talk about themselves... Uh, in the past tense, like that person was a completely different person. The new, the new believer, the person who's got a brand new life in Christ, they're not even ashamed of the old life because that old life is dead. That's a different person. And so here's what you and I need to understand as, as people who put our faith in Christ. You are a brand new person. And all the things that you ever have ever done, all the horrible, wicked, evil things that embarrass you, that would cause you to blush, that if I were to stand here and repeat it, you would go running out the doors because you'd be so embarrassed. All those things, all those things are dead and buried when you put your life in Christ. This is the new life that's ours in Jesus Christ. But things... Have you done in your past that would embarrass or humiliate you if, if it were known? I can tell you, when you become a believer, it's all gone. It doesn't matter anymore. 
I had someone come to me and say to me, you know, Pastor, I've become a new believer, and I've been invited to go on the speaking circuit, and I'm, I've been invited to share my testimony. And I said, well, what's your testimony? And then they proceeded to tell me about their life before they became a Christian. And then I just hear a whole string of horrible horrible things that you couldn't even say in mixed company. And this person wants now to go and share all that with people to tell about how they became a Christian. I'm going to say this to, this is what I said to the person. So I'm going to advise against that. Well, shouldn't I give glory to God? I said, yeah, give glory to God. But why would you want to keep resurrecting your old life and being reminded of your old life? Leave it dead and buried. And as soon as I said that to that person, it did burst out crying. They said, thank you so much. I didn't want to keep revisiting the past because it was so depressing and it always put me into depression. I said, well, if it put you into depression, why would you want to dig up the past? Do you really think that God wants you to do that? I can tell you that God wants you to bury it once and for all and put it to rest and never think of it again. What God wants you to do is this, he wants you to focus on and celebrate the new life that's yours. All the sin that you've committed, all the horrible deeds that you've done, all the things that would cause people to blush, it's over. You're a brand new creation. If you want to give your testimony, just tell everybody that you are a brand new person. Back in the 1970s, uh, some of you may or may not remember David Wilkerson. And he wrote the book called The Cross and the Switchblade. You know that. It's, it's a movie, I think. I think Pat Boone plays uh, um, David Wilkerson. Anyways, David Wilkerson came to town, and everybody's buying the books. And then along with him came a man by the name of Nicky Cruz. And he also had a book, and his book was called Run, Baby, Run. And um, i got to tell you, I loved reading those books. Um, I loved reading about the gangs. And about the culture that surrounded those things. That was so interesting. I loved that part. In fact, I was trying to figure out, when I was a kid, I was trying to figure out how I could start a gang. And I think I might have missed the point of that book. Because <laughs> it was a celebration of how these guys were delivered from the gangs so that they could live Christian lives. The problem was, is that when I was reading those books, when they were gangsters and doing drugs, man, that was exciting stuff. That was more interesting than when they became Christians. I said it. And it was interesting because we all the I remember all the um, all the young people were invited to go to the Centennial Concert Hall and, and, and Nicky Cruz was there and he had his book and all the young people were given uh, workbooks kind of a workbook catalog with just great stuff for youth and at the back of the book was a, a glossary and it had all the different words for different kinds of drugs and so I found out that marijuana was also called weed or pot and then I discovered it was called Mary Jane. And that's my sister-in-law. <laughs> so I thought this was really cool. I called my sister-in-law Pothead. Uh, <laughs> it was all so interesting, so intriguing. Here's the problem, guys. Is that these preachers and, and people giving their testimony with the greatest of intentions, trying to celebrate the new life, actually made the old life look better than the new life. If there's anybody here who's ever been through the hell of drugs and the hell of all the rest of it, you know that it's fun for a season, but it's hell in the end. I want you to know something today. Jesus Christ wants to deliver you. 
from that old life and give you a brand new life. And can I say this to you? Your old life does not define you. When you put your faith in Christ, you become a brand new creation. Your old you does not define who you are today. In fact, you're not even defined by who your parents are or what your parents said to you or didn't say to you. You're not defined by your old addictions or your old habits or your old bad habits. You are now defined, get this, as a child of God. In fact, Romans chapter 8 is all about this new life that we have in Jesus Christ. I would encourage everybody here, when you're done the service today, go home and read Romans chapter 8. I remember in Bible school, my third year, I was actually, one of my courses was actually the book of Romans. It's in the New Testament. Again, written by the Apostle Paul. And I got to Romans chapter 8, and all of a sudden, I, f- I felt the stirring in my heart. And I knew it was, the, it was God. And he began to open my eyes to help me to see what it means to live this new life in Christ. I tell you, I was so excited. I was so pumped up. I was so thrilled. I could not sleep. And there I am, all alone in my, in my apartment, in my bedroom, in the basement of this house in, in Saskatoon, crying and laughing and reading and writing in my journal and saying, God, thank you for the new life that I have in Christ. I began to understand that I could never, ever, ever live this Christian life in my own strength or my own energy or my own wisdom or my own ability. What I needed was the Holy Spirit. I needed God to help me. My friends, listen to me. The new life that I'm talking to you about right now is a life that is given by the Holy Spirit. This is where God meets us. This is where God comes. Ready for this? This, is, this will blow your mind. This is where God comes and lives in you. You've heard the term Holy Spirit and you didn't really know what that meant. Well, now you know. When God gave you new life, he actually gave you a part of himself. And the Spirit of God has come to live in you to make it possible for you to live this new life. Some of you say, well, Pastor, hold on a minute here. I became a Christian, but how come I'm still struggling with old sins? How come I'm still sort of going back to old habits? Well, here, here's why. Because when you became a Christian, God gave you the privilege to make that decision on your own. God didn't force you. He didn't twist your arm. He didn't say, you're going to become a Christian. It's not like when your parents force you to go to church. You're going to go to church if it kills you or kills me. <laughs> That's not God. God gives you that choice. He says, do you want to follow me? Do you want to be a new creation? Do you want to live this new life? Here's what you've got to do. You've got to respond to the promptings of the Spirit in your heart. Okay, here it is, folks. There's no formula here. Ready? It's simply responding to the Holy Spirit in your heart. What do you mean by that? Well, I'll tell you. How many know that in the course of a day, you are literally making tens of thousands of decisions every day? Should I go this way? Should I go that way? Should I say this? Should I say that? Should I look up? Should I look down? You're constantly making decisions. So here's here's the thing. And we're talking now, folks, about not a religion. 
We're talking about a relationship between you and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to say to you this. Smile at that person. Don't frown. And you're suddenly going to feel the first, the very first battle in your heart. You're going to say, well, hold on a minute. He was mean to me. I'm not smiling at him. God says, if you're going to live the new life, you're going to smile. And you're going to make that decision. Am I going to frown or am I going to smile? And you decide to smile. And all of a sudden, you feel a surge inside of you. And you're driving along in traffic. And someone cut you off. And you want to flip him the bird. And the Holy Spirit says, don't flip him the bird. And you make a decision. I'm not going to flip him the bird. And all of a sudden you feel a rush of peace. Your wife says something to you that puts you off, and you're going to want to snap back with a nasty comment. You're going to want to be sarcastic. You want to put her down. But the Holy Spirit says, don't do it. And you make a decision. And you don't. And you feel a peace. Your kids diss you. They say something nasty to you, and you want to put them in their place. And you don't want to just put them in the place, but you want to teach them a lesson. <laughs> and this time you don't listen to the Holy Spirit and you feel terrible after listen to me it's at that moment where you say God I'm sorry and you say to your child I'm sorry I did the wrong thing. In that moment, as the Holy Spirit prompts you to say sorry, you say sorry, and all of a sudden, the joy is back. The smile is back. Listen, this is Christianity 101. This is what it means to walk with God. It's that God literally guides you every step of the way. So that you say the right thing, you do the right thing, you smile the right way at the right time, you're constantly doing the right thing. Folks, this is Christianity. This is the real thing. This is the new life that's ours in Christ. How many of us today have been going to church for years, but it's been a long time since we've actually listened to the Holy Spirit in our hearts? As we enter into the Easter season, can I invite you to get your life realigned with God and say, God, I want to start walking in the new life that's mine, the new life that was mine through Christ. And if you've not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ or it's been years since you've had anything to do with God, maybe today's a day where you say, God, I'm sick of the old life. I'm sick of trying to renovate it. I'm sick of trying to fix myself up. I'm, trying to, I'm sick of looking at myself in the mirror in the morning. I hate myself. Then you're the one that's ready to say, God, I surrender all. I can't do it anymore. You know, back, um, back a few, maybe two years ago, we had... Uh, a church in the community wanted to come and learn. It was a, sort of an innovative idea, the pastor of this church. who wanted to go to different churches and find out how they do things and what they believe. And so the pastor said to me, uh, can, we, can I bring my, my Bible study group to your church? And, uh, and could you teach us about what you believe about baptism? I said, sure, I'd be glad to do that. I said, but I'm going to warn you. I'm going to warn you that part of our 
of our instruction regarding baptism is that we always talk about what it means to be a Christian because you need to put your faith in Christ before you're baptized. So it's no problem. Say whatever you want. <laughs> All right. Remember, you're talking to a pastor, to a preacher. I love to teach. I love to tell the truth. And so I began to explain to these people, first of all, what it means to be a Christian. I said, you have to understand that before you're baptized, because baptism represents your new life in Christ. And uh, I said, basically, when, when you put your faith in Christ, God promises you an abundant and a great and a fantastic life on this earth. And secondly, God promises you eternal life. And so I'm here to tell you today that I'm a believer. I put my faith in Jesus, and I know that someday I'm going to go to heaven. I remember a guy sitting right in the back row, and he looked at me, shook his head. He had a scowl on his face. I thought, whew, I've absolutely offended him. I've touched a cord. At the end, I asked, does anybody have any questions? He was the first one to put his hand up, and he said, how on earth can you say that you know that you're going to go to heaven when you die? That sounds very arrogant to me. It sounds very boastful and proud. That's a, that's a very arrogant thing for you to say that you know you're going to go to heaven. So I said, look it. I'm going to heaven not because of anything that I have done. I'm going to heaven not because I know I do good works or because I've earned my way into heaven. I'm going to heaven based on what Jesus Christ has done at the cross. This, folks, is what Easter's about. I proceeded to tell him that the Bible is clear that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are born again. And here's what the Bible says. You ready for this? Again, Paul writing to believers, this time in Ephesus. Ephesians 2.8, he says, God saved you. God saved you. He gave you a new life by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things you have done, so none of you can boast about it. So I said to that man, I'm not bragging and I'm not boasting. What I'm doing is I'm telling you what God has done and the promise that he's made to everybody who believes. Now I'm going to tell you the same thing this morning. This new life... This new life that God wants to give you? It's not, it's not because you're such a great person and because you deserve it. It's because of God's incredible love for you. God wants you to, to become all that he has purpose for you before you were even born. God had a purpose for your life. And I'm going to tell you this. Nobody will truly live and truly be happy and truly enjoy this life until they find the thing that God has called you to do. My friends, this is what Christianity is about. After the first service this morning, I got a text. And maybe this text describes you today. It said, thank you for the message, Pastor. That was meant for me. You were talking to me today. I'm struggling every day. I used to be happy, but that's gone. And I want to feel happy again. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, boy, somebody told my story. Somebody, somebody told the pastor about me before I got here. I can tell you this happens every Sunday. Somebody will think that or feel that. 
But I'm going to tell you, I'm not that smart. But I can tell you this, the Holy Spirit's here. And he knows your need, and he knows what you need to hear. And he's giving you an opportunity today to completely surrender to him and say, God, I'm tired of renovating the old self. It's such a disaster. I'm so unhappy. No peace, no joy. My life is a misery. God's inviting you today to come to Jesus. He's inviting you to come and receive this new life that only he can give. Would you pray with me, please? Let's stand together, shall we? Father, thank you so much for your presence here. And thank you, God, for what you want to do in us and through us. And I pray, God, that there are any here that need to get back on track, that this will be the day. I pray, God, if there are any who have not yet entered into this new life full of joy and peace, God, that this would be the day. For those who maybe have known God for years but have lost the fire, may this be the day of responding to the Holy Spirit once again, where we do not ignore the small promptings of the Spirit. God, we uh, commit ourselves to you now, in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, you're a masterpiece.